Good morning, church family. It is great to see you this morning. If you are a guest of ours, we would love a record of your attendance. There's a connect card in the seat backs on the apps on the website. There's about half a dozen ways you can let us know that you'd like more information about our church. My favorite is always when someone would take a moment to fill out the card and meet me after the service in the center of the concourse. And for those of you worshiping with us online today, perhaps you're out of town and maybe you're confined to your home due to sickness or conflict or caring for a loved one, we also want to connect with you and you can connect with us online as well. As we come to a portion of our service where we are in significant need of God's blessing, I'm encouraged and delighted by the significance of today. So today is a special service in the life of our church. You may notice behind me the way that we've set the stage up. You may notice the significance of the table and the baptismal pool. We have been in a two-part series simply entitled Confessions. Three weeks ago, we preached on the confession of baptism. And two weeks ago, we preached on the confession of, or last week, we preached on the confession of the Lord's Supper. And today, we're inviting you into a unique service where we will partake in both. I'm so grateful for the way in which so many people work hard to make these services special. I'm thankful for the men and women who work hard to prepare for days like today. I'm thankful for the team around us. I'm thankful for these ushers and the way they serve us. Can we love on them as they make their way to their seats? You guys can be seated this morning. And so, and so, as they find their seats and as we prepare to continue to worship through baptism and through the Lord's Supper, let me remind you what I was reminded of this week and this morning is about life and death. Life and death. Tuesday was a normal day here at Church at the Mill. In fact, we had uh, 40 or 50 children uh, on site getting ready for what's coming up next week, which is our creative arts camp, and we encourage you to be in prayer for that as many more children come onto our campus. If you drive by our campuses Monday through Friday, you'll find they're just as busy as they are on Sunday, and that's because in God's grace and through your generosity, we were given such a beautiful campus. We want to use it for ministry. We want to leverage it. We want to wear it out. And so there's not a day that goes by where there's not some form of ministry, and much of our ministry is to children and to students. And I was in the midst of finishing up a long day of administrative meetings when we began to hear the chaos that erupted in our community that you have already read about in great detail. Our church was started in the Oak Forest neighborhood in the living room of a retired pastor. He and his wife are with the Lord today. Some of their family members are still foundations and parts of our church. But that little neighborhood <coughs> that many of our members call home was a place of the tragic death of one of our very own, a young man in our community, a deputy sheriff by the name of Austin Aldridge. He passed away, lost his life. This afternoon, our church rallied and told our community, you can lay him to rest here. And so as many of you have seen in the papers, his funeral and the celebration of his life will happen here. He was a part of a sister church that we love and appreciate but we knew that God had given us the facility to handle such a crowd, and so we've been working overtime to make sure the logistics are sound for that. But he lost his life in the tragic and wicked behavior of a deranged individual who then eluded police officers, eluded the men and women who serve in blue, the men and women that we back at this church unapologetically. 
and raced by our campus. We had to put our campus on lockdown, and within moments of the first siren, we were in communication with local law enforcement, and they kept us surprised. <coughs> and the children of our campus, and our campus was safe. But these are things you normally read about that happen elsewhere. Yet right here, our little road, Anderson Mill Road, that you do a great job of clogging up every Sunday morning, our little road became the center of a national news story where a young officer gave his life in serving our community. And this afternoon, we're going to flip the campus and we'll welcome thousands of people onto our campus and we will celebrate his life and we will honor him. And never forget that your faithfulness and your generosity to help our church have facilities like this put our church in a position to love on our community when they're most in need. And yet, in the midst of a sorrowful week for many, <clears throat> well, I woke up Friday morning to the news that you woke up to, to the news that a wicked, a wicked ruling from 1973 had finally been overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. <clears throat> this, is, this is monumental news. It's historic news. I hope to the degree that it's appropriate with little ears, you talk to your children about this news. I share with you Bible verses all the time because it is the supreme document of Christianity. We believe it is above everything else. But sometimes some texts are so powerful, I want to read them with the body of Christ. This is what Judge Samuel Alito wrote in his final ruling. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. And with those words, the fight for life did not end, but a huge step in the right direction for our country, a step that many Christians have prayed for for years. The moment it hit my news feed, I called Alexa Newman, the director of the Carolina Pregnancy Center, a sister in the Lord who has spoken in this church, a champion for life, just because I felt like I wanted to congratulate someone. I told the Lord I was thankful, but I wanted to talk to one of his children. And this sister fights tirelessly for life alongside many women and many men in our community. She was in tears and I was in tears and I congratulated her and I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful that our church has a culture of adoption and foster care because the fight for life is not political. The fight for life is spiritual and we need to be people who say there's no such thing as an unwanted pregnancy. We will love and minister to any child that God blesses into our lives in any way. I know that rulings like this affect people on all kinds of levels, but I was reminded of the, the contrast between the losing of a young man who laid his life down for his community and the saving of countless unborn lives. I'm convinced that 18 and 20 and 25 years from now, there will be young men and women in ministry and on the mission field who will be alive because of yesterday's ruling. And I rejoice in recognizing what my Bible reminds me in the book of Romans. You know what Paul said in the book of Romans? For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both of the dead and of the living. This week was about life and it was about death and my king rules over both. 
And there is no better representation of the celebration of death and life than the table and the pool. The table remembers his death, and the pool commemorates his life. And so if you needed to be encouraged this morning, whether you're watching with us online or you're here with us live, you walked into a service that says, our God is over death. Our God is over life. So in death or in life, we give our God all the glory. Baptism is such a, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Baptism is such a significant part of our faith. In fact, in the life of a Christian, the order typically goes baptism, then the Lord's Supper. The reason is, is that baptism is that one-time event that represents salvation, and the Lord's Supper is that repetitive event that remembers Christ's death for our salvation. Two weeks ago, as I preached on the subject of baptism, I reminded you of its meaning. In in, in other words, when you see someone be baptized, as you will this morning, I think around 28 folks are ready to be baptized this morning in our services. As you see someone be baptized, here is what that means if it is done in faith and obedience. It means that person was called by God into a relationship with him. We don't save people at church at the meal. We can't save our society. I didn't save me, and I can't save you, and you can't save you. God does the saving. That's why he gets all the glory. And what we recognize is, is though he calls us to respond in faith, once we come to know the Lord and introspect and reflect, we realize long before we ever knew him, he was pursuing us. And so every time we celebrate someone's baptism, we celebrate the work initiated by God. But of course, there's the human response to the work initiated by God. So when we see someone be baptized, it also means that they have confessed their faith in Christ. Not their church, not their mother, not their grandmother, not their pastor, not their small group leader. They individually have said, I am placing my faith in Christ. When I look at the world around me and I look at my own life and my own sin, I have found no other hope other than (coughs) that which is in Christ. I've confessed my sin to him and my faith in him, and I believe he has saved me, which means I have been cleansed of my sin, number three. And as the water flows off of the bodies of these men and these women and these children, it represents beautifully how the blood of Christ is applied to our sin. And then when we rise up out of the water, we represent what it means to be raised to the newness of life in Christ. So we are created new, and we don't do that in isolation. We don't do it in privacy. None of these individuals that you're about to see be baptized were baptized privately. They're being baptized publicly. They're saying to you, and honestly, through the gift of Internet, they're saying to the world, I'm professing Christ. Not one of them is perfect, nor are they free from making mistakes in their future. But they're saying, as much as it depends on me, I want you to know that I've been saved by Jesus and I'm connecting with his church. And so every one of these individuals is not only showing their connection to Christ, they're showing that they are now a member of church at the meal, that we are going to care for them and that they will care for us. Have you ever seen the paintings of the Last Supper? You may notice the depiction of it behind me here. 
If you can picture in your mind the painting of the Last Supper, I'll leave it to your imagination, but what you see before you is a long table fit for a Passover, just as Jesus said it would be. And at the center of the table is always Jesus. To his left and to his right are his disciples as depicted in that ancient painting. Well, we don't have any individuals up here. This is not a living and active play. The set is to draw your attention to that evening. But notice what's at the center of the table. It's not Christ. He's in heaven. It's his baptismal pool. And every time a person comes out of the water, the Scripture says they are in Christ. In fact, Paul, when he talked about the subject of baptism, and he talked about our relationship with him in the book of Romans, he said these words. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This morning needs to be reverent, and it needs to be celebratory, and you can be both. So as you reflect on your relationship with the Lord, as these individuals are baptized, reflect prayerfully. But then when they come out of the water, let's let heaven hear how excited we are that they too have been raised in the newness of life. Pastor Alex, our preteen pastor, a young man called of God to focus on our fourth and fifth graders, is going to lead us off uh, with a young follower of Jesus. And as we celebrate baptism this morning, I want you to reflect on your baptism if you've been baptized. If you've never been baptized, then I want you to make a commitment that this will be the last Sunday you participate in a service watching others take a step of obedience that you need to take. We'd love to answer your questions. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you and help you know how you can do what you are about to see these individuals do. Church family, let us worship through the confession of baptism. Pastor Alex. Church family, this is Clayton Beckwith, and he came to faith last year at VBX. Um, and so, uh, Clayton, I have one question for you. Have you come to a place where heaven is your home and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Well, based upon that public profession of faith, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I think about that day often. I, I don't know. All I have to go on is Scripture and the gift of perhaps a, a spirit-filled imagination as we all can have. But I think about that day when we march into heaven. And if you think about it, it'll be the young and the old. It'll be families and individuals. It'll be rich and poor, black and white. It'll be those who came to heaven in great tragedy, those who came in great sickness, those who met the Lord straight from their mother's womb. It'll be those young and old from every corner of the earth, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And it is a beautiful thing to see baptism represent that. And baptism prepares us for a life of following the Lord. And one of the things God has graciously given us in following the Lord is a reminder you know, I told you when I taught on the Lord's Supper that we are forgetful people. In fact, when any of us struggle with sin in that moment, we are forgetting who we belong to. We're forgetting God's Word. We're forgetting that He's Lord and we are not. 
And so God, in his grace and in his wisdom, built into us reminders. We're reminded each week when our pastor comes and preaches God's word, what we are supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. When we bow our heads in prayer, whether we're by ourselves or we're with someone we love, it reminds us that God is God and we are not and that we depend on him. If you have the privilege of seeing the sunrise in the morning or watching a beautiful sunset, it is a reminder of the glory of a creative God. If you've ever welcomed a newborn into your life, it's a reminder that God is not done and that he's given us the gift of life. If you celebrate and mourn the life lost of a loved one, it's a reminder of how fragile life is and how definite death is and how the gospel gets us ready for life and death. So God is a God who has given us many reminders, but his table is a significant reminder. I read this last week. I'll read it again. It's from the book of Luke, and it is when Jesus turned the Passover into the Lord's Supper. And when the hour came, Luke 22, verse 14, and he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit or of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He went on to say in verse 20, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And on that evening, when he gathered with the disciples and they enjoyed the Passover, the scripture says that he took the bread of the Passover and he held it up and he broke it. And as he broke the bread, he gave each of the disciples an opportunity to take a piece of it. And then he told them to take the bread in remembrance of his body. After, of course, he took the bread, he took the cup. It would have been a simple cup. It would have had wine in it. And he shared it with them and he said, this is going to remind you of my blood. Now, last week, as I taught you about the Lord's table, I reminded you of some truths around it. First, it is for the redeemed. The Lord's table is for Christians. If you're here today and you're new to Christianity, you've never trusted Christ, you don't know where you stand, we welcome you to participate by watching. But the Lord's Supper is for those who have been saved. I share with you that in my family, I have children that are too young yet to fully understand. And so whenever we take the Lord's Supper, we explain to them that this is something for your future when you place your faith in Christ. Every Sunday when we offer the Lord's Supper, we say to you, we don't exclude anyone who is a believer. But if you're not a believer, this table requires faith first. For many of you who are believers, what is it for? Well, as I've said multiple times, it's to remember it's to pause and to be reminded, whether you're sitting at your home and you've prepared a cracker and a small a cup of juice to take it with us in your home, or whether you're here in this room and you've been given the elements as you came in, <clears throat> it is a reminder for us. But it's not just to remember like we recollect on a good memory. It's a reminder to refocus us, to refocus us on sacrifice, on what it cost Christ for our forgiveness. You see, the water in this baptismal pool, uh, uh, the candidates didn't pay for. They didn't pay for the right to be baptized. We don't charge for baptism around here. 
There's no cover charge for you to come into our worship service. You didn't pay a dime for parking this morning. Don't you think I hadn't thought about it? But you didn't pay a dime <laughs> for parking this morning. We do everything we can to take the gifts of your offerings and tithes and turn those around to do missions and ministry. And so, in essence, you and I, giving to our church, do provide the facilities, but nothing is ever attached to a price tag in a weekly service. There's no price tag to come and to hear God's Word at our church, and, and heaven forbid there ever be one. But that's human thinking. You see, every one of these people who was baptized this morning and every one of you that's trusted Christ, it did cost something. It cost the blood of Jesus. And when we are reminded of his body and his blood, it refocuses us, it renews us, and it calls us to repent. It puts us <coughs> in a position where we reflect on anything in our life. In fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul said it this way. He said, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. God's not saying you have to be perfect to take the Lord's Supper. But he is saying if there's anything in your life that is not right, you need to deal with that first in confession, in repentance, and then take the Lord's Supper. It's a travesty to say you're celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus by taking the cup and the bread yet your life be in contradiction to that sacrifice. That doesn't mean you can fix all your problems in this service, but it does mean you can hand any sin to the Lord, confessing it to him and committing that when you walk out these doors, whatever steps need to happen for you to live out that confession in repentance, you will do so. But it's not just about repentance. It's also about rallying the church together around the cup and around the bread. And it's about retelling the story. Our world is chaos. Our world seems to be spinning more and more out of control. It's why the church has to take everybody who listens to our message back to the only thing we have to offer. All I have is him, and he's enough. He's enough. And so I want you to bow your head with me in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. <clears throat> you can place those elements in your hand and, and prepare. But right now, before we take anything, would you just bow with me? I would be disregarding the word as your pastor if I didn't give you a moment to reflect. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I would just ask you to come before the Lord and live out his word. What does the word literally say? The word literally says, examine himself examine herself. In other words, God is empowering you through his presence to look into your heart. Is there anything in your heart that's displeasing? Any anger, any bitterness, any decisions you've been making, any lifestyle you've been living that does not honor the Lord? In this moment, surely it is impossible for you to somehow resolve all of those conflicts and issues but step one is to say, Lord, this is not right in my life, and I confess that to you. Lord, would you forgive me of this area, of this sin, of this activity, of this word, this language, and would you give me the grace to accept that your blood is sufficient to forgive me 
and that your power is sufficient that when I leave this service today, I'm going to make whatever changes I need to make. I'm going to have whatever conversation I need to have. I'm going to approach whomever I need to approach. And I'm going to say, I went to church at the mill today and I dealt with my sin at the Lord's table. And the Lord made it clear to me that I needed to come to you and I needed to say, and then you supply the words. With your head bowed and your eyes closed as you reflect on anything in your life that does not please him. I want you to bring it before him in prayer. And I want you to be reminded of his grace. can all fall into the temptation of programming everything. There are times when we need to just sit before the Lord in reverence with the soothing gift of gentle music in the background and we need to just speak to Him. We don't need to hear our pastor. We don't need to hear a choir. We don't need to hear the man or the woman to our left or to our right. We need to speak to the Lord. Out of an abundance of love, I want to give you that moment. As you remain in prayer, I, I want to remind you of a simple little three-letter word. All. Jesus paid it all. All. Not most. Not some. Not his or hers. Jesus paid it all he gave all of his blood for all of your sin and all of it can be forgiven he paid it all I hear the Savior say
Scripture says Jesus took the bread and when he had broken it and blessed it, giving thanks, he handed it to the disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Scripture says, after the cup, after the bread, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. I told you, last week as we concluded the sermon that we live between two meals. The first Passover where the Lord took this beautiful Jewish celebration of God's grace in the Old Testament and he birthed the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said that night, I won't eat again until I eat in the kingdom. He's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb that moment when a new heaven and a new earth has been created and God has welcomed the redeemed into his presence and we as the bride join the bridegroom for a celebration. There's nothing more intimate than the fellowship of family around a table. So I wasn't at that first meal. I just celebrated it in remembrance, but I wasn't at the first one. I'm going to be at the next one. So, so I, I live between two meals. I have a table to join with my church, and I have water to celebrate those who've welcomed themselves to the meal because the Lord has extended them an invitation. And it just reminds me of what an honor it is to come into the presence of the King. He died for us. We must live for him. There's no way we end the service without worship. And so as we worship in song, I want to extend to you an invitation. If you need to pray with someone this morning, our, our prayer room's open. Massive letters over a door in the concourse. It says prayer room. They're ready to receive you and to pray with you. This altar's open. You can come and kneel here. In the service, there are men and women trained. If you come and kneel and want someone to pray with you, they're there, they're there, they'll pray with you. Our pastors, many of which you met today and many of which will be out in the concourse, are always available. We have eliminated every barrier we can, but we cannot take the first step. You must do it.
For those of you who are followers of Jesus, yet you need some help working through something in your life, why not today? We're all at the table. We're all in the same family. And for those of you that would like to place your faith in Christ, like these individuals have done, why not today? Why not say today's the day that I want to trust Christ? Go to the prayer room. Talk to a pastor. Respond in faith. And for all of us, let's reflect on these words as we sing them together. Let's pray, and then I'll have you stand. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. As we worship our way out of this place, help us to be reminded of what it means to live between two meals with the waters of baptism flowing. In Jesus' name, amen.